0: and welcome to BibleQuest.TV, the Tuesday edition, and I'm just getting my lighting back again. Glad to see everybody with us today. Are you recording this uh, session, Jonathan? I think you are.
1: Uh, Yes, it's being recorded.
0: Um, Glad everybody's here. Today we're going to be talking about a very controversial subject. We shall see. But before we do, want to welcome everybody if you're coming in through uh zoom app we want you to participate in our discussion by clicking on the q a button and keep that q a box up and just type away give us your comments and questions and if you're coming in
2: well let me introduce everybody first steven how are you i'm doing well drew how are you doing
0: Doing very good, Stephen. We're on your Facebook page, right?
2: That's right. If you're tuning in through the Facebook page, please feel free to leave your comments and questions okay. below, and we'll get those to those as soon as we can during the program.
0: Great. And the Scott Smelter from uh, mm, almost messed that one up again from Gettysburg. How you doing, Scott?
1: I'm doing well, Drew. How are you today?
0: Doing very good. And Jonathan, our webcast engineer, is with us. Jonathan, Hi.
1: Hey, it's good to be with y'all today.
0: And uh, Jonathan's going to be monitoring the questions and comments that come in at the appropriate time. We'll go ahead and add them to the program and address them as well. Um, Boy, I was going to just say something, and I forgot. It was before we are going to start the program. Oh, well, maybe it'll come up to me during the, the broadcast, but we're glad everybody's here today. And like I said, we're talking about something that I guess at one time was very controversial among Christians and among those who claim to be Christians. But it may not be as controversial today or not. But we got a question, and it came in from a viewer. And we're glad that he sent this in. So let me read it, and we'll turn it over to the panelists. 38 years ago, when I was 20, I was baptized by immersion because it was required for joining a church I was attending at that time. Now I look back. I question whether I was baptized for the right reason. Should a person re-baptize if the first time was for the wrong reason? What is the right reason? Is baptism even necessary? Guys, where do we want to go with that one?
1: I think we want to start at the end and, and work our way up. So what is the right reason? Is baptism necessary? So before getting to the question, let's just go through and review what the Bible says about baptism. And uh, why don't we just begin uh, with not the most specific text, but a general text in Matthew 28. So if somebody would read for us there the Great Commission in Matthew chapter
2: 28. All right, I've got it here. Uh, Matthew 28, and um, I guess we'll pick up in verse 18. Matthew 28:18.
1: And let's jump ahead now to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. After Jesus ascended, what city did he tell the apostles to stay in? Jerusalem. Yeah. And in Luke 24, he said this would be to fulfill all prophecy, including that the Messiah must suffer and die, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached from Jerusalem. Uh, In fact, let me just read that passage to you. Look at Luke chapter 24. After the resurrection, before the ascension. What verse are you, and Scott? This is Luke 24, verse 45. Thanks. He opened their mind that they might understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer, rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name unto all nations, beginning from where? Jerusalem Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Uh, and before jumping forward this what, what does remission of sins mean what do we need remission of sins
0: that means forgiveness of sins to have your sins forgiven
1: yeah yeah it, it's, we need them out of the way because what is it that has
2: separated us from God It's the problem of sin. God yeah. is holy and he cannot have a relationship with us when we have broken his laws. Uh, and so there has to be some way of removing the problem of sin for us to be back in our right relationship with God.
1: So in a nutshell, just reviewing, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and here's God, and here's also man and woman on that earth in Genesis 131. God looks at his creation, including man and woman, and said it was what
0: very it was good. It was,
1: what? it was very good. Very good. Then he says he gives a rule. Uh in G- Genesis chapter 2, he had given a rule. And then in chapter 3, what did Adam and Eve do? They sinned. They Se- sinned. separated themselves from God. They separated, yes. Did they get to stay there in fellowship in the garden? No. No. They're separated from him. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. The, God says the problem is not that I can't hear you or I can't reach you. The problem is that your sins have separated you from me. Ephesians 2, you were dead in your sins, alienated, separate from God. So our problem is this sin in between there. Well, Matthew 121, name him Jesus because it's he that will
2: save his people from, from their sins.
1: Their sins. And then Jesus, before he died, he instituted the Lord's Supper and said, This is my blood which is poured out for thee. Remission of sins. Remission of sins. Matthew twenty six twenty eight. Well, that's what we need. So now he's died. Now he's risen from the dead. And he tells the apostles, now you need to go baptize people. And we're going to start, you're going to start teaching repentance and remission of sins here at Jerusalem. So then a few days later in Acts chapter two, it is uh, the day of Pentecost. How long is this since Passover?
0: 50 days, 49 yeah. plus one.
1: Yeah, so about seven weeks after the death of Christ, and Jews have again gathered for a feast, and a couple of things get their attention. What happens?
0: The sound of a rushing wind shook up the city, and then there's fire that appears, well, something that looks like fire, and appears over over their
1: heads. And they start speaking in the language of all these Jewish visitors, even the ones from Libya and Egypt and, and Mesopotamia and everything. They want to know, how are they doing that? And Peter gets up and he says, this is the Holy Spirit. It's prophesied by Joel. It reminds him, you remember Jesus, the one that did the miracles, and you killed him? God raised him from the dead. He quotes Psalm 16, that the Holy One wouldn't stay in the grave, shows that it's talking about Jesus, that they are witnesses of that. And it says, this miracle that you're wanting to know how it happened, that's how it happened that Jesus that you killed sent this. So somebody read verse 36 of Acts 2.
0: I got that one. To let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles,
1: brothers, what shall we do? Okay. Okay. If you go into a lot of churches today or a lot of watch a televangelist, like, say, Joel Osteen, or go to a funeral that's by uh, certain denominations and such, or, or just a, a conversation a conversation over a coffee table. If somebody said, what should I do? What is one of the most popular answers that preachers now give to people?
0: Well, I heard one. that says, well, you don't have to do anything because you already believe. Now that you believe, you are saved.
1: Okay. So that would be one answer. What's another one?
2: a lot of times if you like pick up a Bible and then the back, it'll have a plan of salvation and it will say, you just need to pray this prayer and it'll give kind of a sample prayer or whatever It says something to the effect of, you know, Jesus, I know I've sinned. I invite you into my heart as my personal savior. And then it will say, if you pray this prayer, you know, you're, you've been forgiven, you're saved.
1: Yeah. Does it ever, ha- and in what part of the Bible do they find those in?
2: It's not in the Bible.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Now, there might be a little handout Bible that somebody's put a page or two at the end, uh, but it's not in the Scriptures, is it? And have you ever read that in, in your entire readings of the Bible, and particularly of the New Testament? Have you ever read that that's how anybody became a Christian?
0: No. You go through a whole book of Acts and you don't find it. That's where a lot of people did become Christians.
1: And if Peter was preaching what people do today, what, what would he have done when people said, what do we need to do? And he'd say, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you pray this prayer with me, you'll be saved. Is that what Peter said? No. We start Somebody 30. read for us what Peter said.
0: Let me continue in verse 38 of Acts chapter 2. And then Peter said, the question was, when they heard this cut to their heart, and and they said to Peter, the rest of all, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the
1: Holy Spirit
0: for the
1: so part. okay they cut to the heart which means by the way there's a time when somebody asked Paul whats you know what to do and Paul's gonna say believe why doesn't Peter say believe
0: they already so, believed didn't they
1: yeah it said they were cut to the heart he's already preached the word and given the evidence and they become convinced. That's why they're cut to the heart saying, Oh no, what do we need to do? When Paul said to the jailer, you need to believe, then he preached the word to him. So it's a different order. Paul said, you need to believe in Jesus. Then he preached Jesus to him. Then he was baptized. These people, they've already had Jesus preached and the evidence is there. They they're convicted And so they said, what do we need to do? Peter doesn't back up and say, well, you need to believe. That's why they're asking what do we need to do? But he doesn't say, oh, you're done. Peter, the apostle, says what? When they said, what should we do? What's the first thing he tells them to do? Repent. Yeah. So somebody just described that for us.
0: Change your mind. Change your thinking. Turn away from what you were doing and go that way. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And then bear fruit in keeping with that repentance. I I like what he says in the next chapter, in Acts chapter three, Mm -hmm. uh, there in verse 19, Mm -hmm. repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. And so it's the idea of turning around. Uh, You start by changing your mind, but then you follow through by changing your life. It's not just saying, because a lot of people that I talk to and I say, hey, what's repentance? They'll say, oh, it's feeling sorry for what you've done. Well, it's, the beginning of the process, but repentance is more than just feeling bad. Uh, repentance is changing your life. Repentance is truly turning your life around.
1: And let's give us a text that shows that godly sorrow is not repentance, but something that precedes repentance. Hmm. I forgot. 2 Corinthians 7. It says here, Second Corinthians seven verse ten: Godly sorrow works repentance unto salvation. So first you have to feel bad about what you've done, and bad enough to decide to stop doing it. Which is what the alcoholic these- does an unrepentant alcoholic ever feel bad about what he does? Probably, yeah. Uh, this a is- Unrepentant prostitute ever feel bad about what she does? Probably. Yeah. Godly sorrow produces repentance. That same passage in 2 Corinthians 7 says, you know, sorrow this world brings death, but godly sorrow brings uh, repentance. So there needs to be the decision to change. I think it's summed up pretty well in Luke 9.23. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you have to deny self. Take up your cross that you're going to put to death your old man on and follow me. I uh, just
0: want to add that uh, for anyone that's w- listening in on the podcast because this this is picked up on our pad- podcast. What we're doing is we we're starting at the end of the question is what's the right reason for being baptized? Because the question from the viewer was, is there a right reason? Did I make a mis- Do I have to be rebaptized if I didn't get baptized for the right reason? So I just wanted to bring us back with that's what we're
1: discussing and answering. Right. We're building up to that. That's right. So we're looking at a biblical case. Stephen.
2: One of my favorite examples to look at on that last part of this question, is baptism even necessary? Uh, Acts chapter 9 is a powerful text because it's about the conversion of Saul, the great enemy of the church in the first century. And at the beginning of the chapter, he's breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord and he's going to Damascus to drag people off to prison. He's got letters from the high priest to do this. And on the road, of course, he sees the great light. He hears the voice, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He says, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And then he's blinded for three days. He's led into the city of Damascus, Ananias is sent to him. And then the first thing he does is he arises and he's baptized uh, when Ananias comes to him. And at the end of that story, I think we would all say, well, this is a saved man. He's preaching in the city of Damascus and spreading the gospel. But it's not until the flashback in in Acts chapter 22 that we find out exactly when his sins were forgiven. Acts chapter 22 is Paul's recounting this story uh, to the Jews. And he says in verse uh, 16, this is Ananias speaking to Paul. And now why? This is Acts 22, 16. And now, why do you wait, rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name? And so that's the point at which Paul's sins, or Saul at the time, his sins were washed away when he was baptized into Jesus Christ. But when did Paul believe? On the road, three days when he, earlier, when he saw the light, and and I, I mean, we know that he'd been praying for that time. 11 If anybody could have prayed it, him, he's praying. If anybody could have prayed a sinners' prayer, that would have gotten him forgiven. I suspect it would have been Saul, and yet at the end of those three days, Ananias still tells him rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. That's because he still had sins to be washed away.
0: Are you saying then when he was praying for those three days and fasting for those three days, he was not calling on the name of the Lord?
2: Well, he was praying. Uh, but Calling on the name of the Lord includes more than just saying a prayer. Uh, It it involves obeying uh, what the Lord has said to do. Like Jesus said in Matthew 28, you make disciples by baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I command you.
1: So let's put these two passages together. Acts 2.38, 3,000 people are cut to the heart, realizing we killed the Messiah. They said, what do we need to do? And Peter, not a preacher on TV today, Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for what purpose? Forgiveness of sins. For the forgiveness of your sins. Paul, after he's seen the Lord, after he believes, oh, that Jesus is alive, after he goes three days without eating, what do you suppose he went three days
2: without eating? He's terrified. Uh, yeah, he's his terrified. whole life has been turned upside down. The, yeah, this yeah. is real. He's risen. Does he feel bad about this? I'm sure he does. Yeah. Is he
1: praying? Yeah. yeah. He he and the Lord says, Ananias, go to him. He's praying. And Ananias goes to him. And Paul's report of Ananias' words is, he came to me and said, what are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. So Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Acts 22.16, he came and he said, what are you waiting for? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. So now we start to get to the question, well, what about my baptism? Is it valid? Well, let's go back to Acts 2.38. He said, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Now, just because somebody is baptized doesn't mean it's a biblical baptism. Let me illustrate. I want to share a screen here. Yeah. And there's share screen. I'm going to show you a picture, and I want to see if anybody knows what this is. Can you all see it?
0: Yeah, we see it. people in white, wearing white robes and stuff going into water.
1: Yeah, and they're going down there. You see the baptisms going on down here?
0: Yeah.
1: What does the word baptism mean? Immerse. Yeah. To, to dunk, so, to submerge. Yeah. So they're taking people, and they're immersing them in water. So these people are being baptized, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So should these people be satisfied with their baptism? They got baptized. Well, it I Do you know who what this is? Would. You want to guess? Can you see the text down here yeah these are mandians um, Mandian Sabaeans yeah, are a gnostic religion that regards john the baptist as the last prophet wow hmm. so during the days of saddam hussein the mandians in iraq were not allowed to do their baptism when when the after the first Gulf War and, uh, and Saddam was taken out of power, they could go down to the river and they could start doing their baptisms again. Uh, is that a baptism? It sure is. It's an immersion. Yeah. Yeah. Is this the baptism Peter was talking about next to?
2: I don't think so. No, no. they wouldn't and, be doing and, it in the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Sense.
1: Yeah. And uh, they don't even, in fact, they believe Jesus was a false Messiah. Uh, they believe in John the Baptist but not Jesus, which might remind us, did did any of the apostles ever run into some people that had been baptized with not quite the right baptism?
2: Yeah, that's right. Uh, Paul runs into some believers in Ephesus, doesn't he, in, in Acts 19, verses oh, 1 through that, 7. Yeah, let's just read that, um, Acts 19, beginning in verse 1. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? He said, Into John's baptism, referring to John the Baptist. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all.
1: So do we see good reason here to stop and look at our own baptism and question whether or not it's a biblical baptism, since Paul realized these people, after John the Baptist was long dead, been baptized in John the Baptist's baptism, and so what does Paul do for them?
2: Yeah, he gets them to think about their baptism and say, Well, wait a minute, you know, there's some things about your baptism that are incomplete. Uh, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. You know, John's baptism was had a time and a place, but it, it's the purpose of that is done. This is the c- baptism that Jesus commanded, and of course, that we've already read about in Acts chapter 2. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins.
1: So let's jump back to Acts two thirty-eight and ask a few questions. Suppose, suppose um, I'm a sinner. I've been living in sin, and I want to keep sinning, but I'm I'm not looking forward to going to hell but, you know, I don't want to become a Christian, et cetera, et cetera. And somebody comes up and says, hey, you know, I, I can baptize you and your, all your sins will go away. And I say, well, I don't want to straighten up my life. I want to keep doing what I'm doing. And they say, oh, no, that, that's okay. You, you can keep living the way you're living. Just let me baptize you, and then you'll be good to go. And I say, oh, okay. And so then they baptize me, and then I just keep on doing whatever I've been doing. If i done what it said next to.
2: No, there's, there's no repentance there. Right.
1: So I have not done what Peter said to do. Did I get dipped in water? Yeah. 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 So, I was a dry sinner and then I was a wet sinner. Yeah. So nothing has changed. So that wouldn't be biblical, would it? No. Right. How about this? Um, look at Acts two thirty-eight again. It says, repent, and be baptized for whose sins? Your, Yours. Your sins. And now somebody look down and read verse 41 of Acts 2.
0: So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls.
1: Okay, so people had godly sorrow, believed in Jesus, heard the word, received the word accepted the message to repent and were baptized in the name of Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. Suppose I say, well, when I was a baby, somebody baptized me for Adam's sin. Is that what we see in this text?
2: That's not what we see. They're baptized for the forgiveness of their own sins.
1: Yeah. So just like our uh, Mandean friends back there, let's pull them up again. These guys right there.
0: While you're doing that, I have the question though. My question is: so when you said I was baptized for Adam's sin, because I I was sprinkled when I was an infant, uh-huh. and I and that was for original sin. Is that what you're calling Adam? Yes,
1: yes. When you were baptized as an infant, Drew, um, and of course later, you chose to repent and be baptized in whose name?
0: In the in the name
1: of Christ. And for what?
0: For my sins.
1: Yeah, yeah. That I've committed since I was a baby. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But when you were baptized as a baby, how much re- repentance was there on your part? Uh, none. How much faith? Zero. Yeah. Uh, had you received the word? Was that why you were baptized?
0: Zippo again. Now,
1: and how many evil deeds had you done <laughs> that you needed to be forgiven for?
0: Uh, wanting to be fed was the only thing I was doing.
1: For. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not a sin. <laughs> yeah. We're told as newborn babes long for the milk. And there's nothing wrong with real newborn babes longing for milk. So you didn't have any sins, but you had you had some water applied. You want an immersion, but it wasn't that. So that wasn't biblical baptism.
0: Actually it wasn't even an immersion when I did it. I wasn't there, but I was told later on. I mean, I know what it was about. They yeah. sprinkled oil on my forehead.
1: Oh, there you go. All right, And what we have here, these Mandians, they're being baptized, but it's not in the name of Christ. It's not for the forgiveness of their sins. Now, uh, let's move forward from there. Anybody want to pick up there and start moving forward with further questions? Well, let me ask you this.
0: One of these individuals who's being baptized in the name of John the Baptist, uh, what happens if he all of a sudden comes in contact with the scriptures and realizes what He's reading here now in Acts. Well, we've been reading that. You know what? I think I need to, should I should be baptized in the name of Christ.
1: What did those dozen men do in Ephesus that had been baptized with a defunct John, the Baptist baptism?
2: Yeah. I think that's really notable because just looking at that, Paul could have said, well, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Well, he could have said, you know, Oh, you guys only know John's baptism. Well, close enough, <laughs> you know? Um, but that's not what he says. Uh, he says that John was pointing forward to Jesus. That was his whole ministry. He who comes after me is mightier than I. I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. And so, verse 5, on hearing this, this is Acts 19, verse 5, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They didn't wait. They didn't, you know, just uh, think that this wasn't a big deal. They immediately uh, made sure that they were baptized for the right reasons.
1: Yeah. So uh, let, let's bring in Ephesians chapter four on this as we're about to move forward with this. So in Ephesians chapter four, it talks about giving diligence to keep the unity, etc., And then it talks about uh, various things of which there is one. Somebody start there in verse four and read to us what it
2: says, please. There is one body and one spirit just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all.
1: All right. So I'm going to share a screen again here. Uh, if I can remember how to do that. Well, somebody else go ahead while I figure out how to get that up. Well,
0: what, why would you say one baptism? Was there a possibility that there was multiple baptisms?
2: Yeah. Well, as you read the New Testament, there are different baptisms. Uh, for instance, uh, these guys in Acts chapter 19, right? Uh, they were baptized into John's baptism. That, that's, it's not that there, don't, there aren't other baptisms that exist, but I think the idea here in Ephesians 4 is that there's one true of each of these things. That's not that other things don't exist. But again, uh, what, is the, what is the one baptism of Ephesians chapter 4 is kind of the question we have to ask.
0: Yeah, because I, I, the reason I brought that, because some people might say, well, that's referring to the Holy Spirit baptism.
2: Right, and that is a type of baptism that we see in the New Testament. But we have to ask, is that the baptism that all believers uh, are to accept and are to experience? Good. Okay.
1: Let's run quickly through this chart right here. So in the text, so there's one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, but one baptism, one God and Father. Now, the word body in Ephesians means walk. What is it correlated what? to? The, the church, the assembly the body body of
0: Jesus bodies. Christ, his church. Yeah.
1: yeah. Ephesians 1, Jesus is the head of the church, which is his body. body. Ephesians 5, Jesus is the savior of the church, his body. All right. And then the one spirit would, of course, be the Holy Spirit. Holy spirit. And there is the hope of eternal life. The one Lord would be who? Jesus. Jesus et etc. Et now, in the Bible, do we read about other bodies of people? other groups of people, other ecclesias. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. In okay. Acts 19, there's an ecclesia, the Greek word for assembly or church. And is it in the ecclesia of Jesus Christ? No, you've got no. a riotous mob and you've got a, a, a political assembly. Yeah. Yeah. And the riotous mob are adherents of what God? Diana. Yeah and they're yelling great is diana. So there's a different body, so why does Ephesians say there's only one body? Well, Paul is talking about the things that are uh, shared by all of God's people, the things that are that that are unique that um, that are common to all of God's people and they're they're the true one. So for instance, one spirit, but in 1 John 4 it said don't believe every spirit for many false spirits or false prophets are going forth into the world. One hope. Are there other hopes? Yeah. In First Timothy, it reminds the rich not to have their hope set on what? Riches. riches. Uh, so some people have, but is that the right hope that we need? Hope set on riches. No, absolutely. Yep. We've got to hope rich. in Jesus. The rich young ruler walks away because his hope was set on riches. Money. Uh, a, a Mormon elder knocks on your door. Where is he? What is his hope? What does he plan to be? Um, he plans to be a God with uh, several wives and. Uh, Over his own planet. Over his yeah. own planet. Yeah. And uh, one time I asked some Mormon elders, I said, are you planning to be God? And they said, well, I wouldn't say planning, but it's our hope. <laughs> and First so, Corinthians 8 talks about in the world there's many lords. And of course, in the great, is Diana would be a different faith. And in Acts 19, they had other baptism. And in 1 Corinthians 8, again, in the world, there's many gods. So when Ephesians 4 says there's only one, it doesn't mean that you can't look around the world and find counterfeit or corrupt bodies, spirits, hope, Lord, faith, baptism, etc. But over here in truth, there's one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. So if my baptism, for example was the baptism where I was told, you don't need to repent, just get dipped and you're good and you can keep acting like you are. Is that the biblical baptism of Acts 2? If I was sprinkled as a baby instead of having received the word, baptized for Adam's sins instead of for mine, is that the baptism in Scripture? No. So now let's come to the this last question uh, more addressed in our uh, questionnaire. Somebody said... I got baptized so that I could be a member of this church over here. Does that sound like the baptism that we've seen in Christ?
0: No, there's no example that anybody was baptized into any church. They were added to the Lord, which was being added to his ecclesia, his assembly, his church, but he did the adding, right? The person getting baptized didn't do the joining,
1: And that's kind of the secondary result from the primary need. For instance, we all enjoy the relation of being able to assemble with saints, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, What if you're the Ethiopian eunuch on the way to Ethiopia or John on Patmos or Paul in prison?
0: You don't get that enjoyment.
1: Yeah. Now, we want that, but that's not nearly as important as what? Forgiveness of sins. Yes, union with Christ. So the Ethiopian eunuch, he's about to head off to Ethiopia, and he, there's not going to be a local church that he's going to be part of, but what does he have before he goes? When, when, And this is interesting. He's riding along reading Isaiah 53 about somebody innocent dying and dying for the sins of other people. And if you recall, so he was wounded for our transgressions, you know, all of us like sheep have gone astray. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all, and then he goes like a sheep to the slaughter. And who is this? And Philip began at that pre this is actually Philip began at that scripture and did what? Preached Jesus. Preached Jesus to him. Uh, did he preach church membership to him? We don't no, he doesn't talk about it. Now when you learn about Jesus, do you learn about his church? And yeah, yeah, but what Philip preached was Jesus. And when this man heard, in fact, turn to it. Uh, if you're in our audience, please look at this passage. It's so powerful in many, many ways. Acts 8. A few minutes before, he doesn't even realize Jesus is the Messiah. Or where, where, what, verse, what verse are you going into? Acts 8. We're going to start with uh, verse 30. Philip has been sent to join this chariot because the Lord knows there's somebody seeking. And Jesus said, what? If you seek, you will find. And he's reading Isaiah, the prophet, uh, verse 28. He was returning from Jerusalem, in his chariot, reading Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit said to Philip, go near, join yourself to the chariot. So Philip runs near. Here's him reading Isaiah. And Philip's got a question. What's his question? You know what you're reading. And what does the eunuch say back?
0: Uh, how can I unless someone guides me?
1: And then the passage he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And then it ends with, his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch says to Philip, what? Whom is he speaking about? Himself? About or someone else? Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture preached unto him Jesus. As they went on their way, they came to a certain water, and the eunuch said...
0: Now this is amazing, because there's no words from Philip about this, but
1: the eunuch says,
0: look, there's water there. What's going to stop me from being baptized?
1: When you biblically preach Jesus Christ, that includes what? According to this scripture, it includes baptism. Yeah. So he said, Here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? So he commanded the chariot to stand still. They both went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. When he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. The eunuch saw him no more. He went on his way rejoicing. On his way where? Back to home. Ethiopia. And this is early, early in the gospel. It's only gotten to Samaria as far as the record in Acts goes before this.
0: But Scott, but Scott, but Scott, there's no mention of repentance here.
1: Not every passage mentions everything, but if he preached to him, Jesus, what did Jesus tell people? The the whole Sermon on the Mount, the the Beatitudes are the attitudes of repentance. And Jesus ended the Sermon on the Mount with saying, not everyone that says me, Lord, Lord, enters into the kingdom of heaven, but those that... Do the will of my Father. And if you'll hear these words in, do them. It was Jesus that said, if you want to follow me, you have to deny self. Take up your cross and follow me. So let's just look at a few modern day types of baptism and see how well it fits Acts chapter 8.
0: Yeah, because we want to get to the answer of the question. Yeah, yeah. And we want to add then there's some comments coming in that we want to add that relate to that answer. Sure.
1: So let's do this real quickly. Uh, what if I say, well, I was sprinkled. Is a baby. Does that look like this baptism at all? Nope. If he was just going to sprinkle him, he could have said, look, here's water. You know, (laughs) that's not what he said. He said, look, here's water. And they both got out and both went into the water. And, uh, you know, if you're on a trip traveling and you need to wash off your hand and you look and see a stream, you might do what? Dip your fingers in. Would you wait out into the stream to do it? No. So I doubt if you need the depth to immerse. So I came in late. I, I don't know what you guys have covered the last, the first uh, 25 minutes or so. I came in about the 25 minute mark, uh, maybe a little bit later, but uh, I always think of John chapter three and verse 23, where John was baptizing in Aenon near to Salem because there was much water there. Yeah. You don't need a lot of water to baptize 500 people. If you can sprinkle each one, you could probably fill a Coke bottle and do, do it yes. <laughs> with yes. all of them. But here's, here's, Here's the thing. Um, what's happened is today, if you look up the word baptize in a dictionary, it, it's, you're probably going to find a definition that would accommodate sprinkling. But what we have to remember is what we read in our dictionary or even what we hear in common usage reflects what's going on in in Christendom or in the denominational world. It doesn't necessarily reflect what the words of the Bible are talking about it. And in the Bible, baptism is immersion. It's a burial. It's a dipping. It's a plunging. Paul connects the act of baptism with the metaphor of burying in Romans, the sixth chapter. Yeah. And so I, if, I remember
0: if, that that's clear. It's important to do that, but I'm looking at the clock here. The question is this man was not sprinkled. Our viewer, uh, Mark said he was immersed
1: So let's take it back to Acts 8. Does Philip say, listen, we've got a really cool church over here. And, you know, it's Grace Covenant, you know, church. uh, I'm starting it up in Caesarea. But to be a member of our church, you need to dip in some water here. Is that what the eunuch did?
0: No, not even close.
1: No. No, and if he had of. If, if I have a church, if Stephen and I start a, a, a church and we say, listen, if you want to be in Scott and Stephen's church, you need to dip in this water, then dipping in water would put them where?
0: In your church.
1: Yes. There's a problem with me and Stephen having a church.
0: Uh, <laughs> die for church it is my
1: church and Stephen's church. It's a church that belongs not to the good shepherd, but to the sheep that had gone astray. Uh, I didn't die for anybody's sins. Stephen is not who people were created through. And I'm not going to be the one on the day of judgment that renders people's verdict. And we need to remember that as we're talking about people's baptism, none of us are are the judges. God's not going to ask us if, or you, were you satisfied with your baptism this is something a person does before God. So we're pointing people to the word. Um, if somebody just got baptized to be a member of the church, I would encourage that person to look at scripture and see, is that what biblical baptism was? If they'd been sprinkled. Stephen, you got a comment. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, I think this may have been a little bit of the type of thing that was happening in first Corinthians one, where there was a lot of divisions within the church at Corinth and Paul says specifically uh, that he was really glad that he had not done the baptizing for a lot of them um, because he didn't want them wearing his name. Oh, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Cephas. I'm of Christ. You know, he says, no, 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 no. This is not the point of it. Um, in verse, 1 Corinthians one twelve, what I mean is that each of you says, I follow Paul or I follow Apollos or I follow Cephas or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? was Paul crucified for you or are you baptized in the name of Paul? And again, unfortunately that's what a lot of religious groups teach is you're being baptized in kind of in the sense to be added to the Baptist church or to be added to whatever denomination. And people say, Oh, well, I was baptized into this church. Well, Paul, what would Paul say about that? <laughs> were you baptized in the name of, you know, this denomination or because of this person? Um, and he points out, no, we, our allegiance is to Jesus. We're baptized in the name of Jesus. We're added to him, not to some church.
0: And so you're suggesting then that anyone that is baptized into a church, let's call it what it is, immersed baptism into a church, that didn't get the job done in getting his sins forgiven?
1: Well, yeah. but be careful there because 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13 says, for in one spirit Spirit, were we all baptized into one body. And right. The body, of course, is the body of Christ. We're baptized into Christ's church. If I can chase a little tangent here, uh, I hear sometimes people will talk about, well, what church were you baptized in? Um, or I was baptized in this or that church. You know, that's really a foreign concept to the Bible. There's a difference in being baptized in a church and being baptized into Christ church or into Christ. Uh, if we say baptized in a church, what are we saying? Baptized in a particular church building? I really don't think that's what people mean. I think really people mean baptized in a church. In other words, you've already kind of become a part of this group, this church, this denomination, and you've embraced their teachings, and so now you've been baptized to identify well, with that group. That's, um, that's
0: exactly what I was saying, because the question from, from Mark is, he was Baptized as a requirement to join
1: that yeah. church. Yeah.
0: And, and, and so that's what you're talking about. That's the difference. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. And I do think to answer the rest of his question, should a person rebaptize at the first time was for the wrong reason? Um, and again, you go back to Acts 19, I think is the clearest example we have in the New Testament. Here's men who were immersed but it was not for the right reason. In their case, it was because they only knew John's baptism.
1: So so the point is this, if you have not been baptized into Christ, then no matter what you've done, you need to be baptized into Christ. Yeah. If you got dunked, but you weren't baptized into Christ, if you got dunked as a religious ritual, but you weren't baptized into Christ, which, uh, then you need to be baptized into Christ. Which
0: yeah. answers the question that uh, uh, Harv had made a comment. Uh, Jonathan, can you read that comment that came in? Because it relates exactly to the a viewer's question and also what you're just saying now. What's that
1: question? Yeah, I see a question I up. It says, do you think those who were baptized in Acts 19 received John's baptism after Jesus' death or before Jesus' death? Is that the yeah. one you're talking about? Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Jonathan, you didn't have your mic unmuted, but anyway, so Jeff got it.
1: So uh, I'm, you know, just thinking about that context in Acts 19, it's interesting that we're in Luke's telling the story of Paul's third journey and he starts telling that story in Luke, uh, in Acts, the 18th chapter, and I think it's verse 23. And then there's a paragraph at the end of Acts 19, after he started telling the story of Paul's third journey, where he, he just tells us what's going on in Ephesus, where a fellow named Apollos has shown up, and who only knew the baptism of John. And then he gets straightened out on the, that point and is is comes to understand baptism in the name of Jesus, and then he goes on to Corinth. And then the next thing we see, Luke tells us, and then Paul arrived in Ephesus. Well, this is the story of Paul's third third journey. Why did we take that little detour to hear about Apollos' misunderstanding of baptism? It looks like Luke did that to set us up for understanding what Paul found when he got there. What did he find? He found some disciples who had only been baptized in the name of John. How did that come about? Apparently, either directly or indirectly, is the result of Apollos' influence in Ephesus. And uh, so then we would understand they were baptized in the name of John after John's death, after Jesus' death, after John's baptism was obsolete, and and thus really missed the point of John's baptism, which was to point to Christ. Yeah, and that's, and that's what Paul says. John was pointing people to Christ. Mm-hmm. Our time is up. Anybody have a final comment before we wrap up here today?
0: I just want to invite a lot of uh, people who are listening to this, whether they're on the program today live or in the podcast, we, we hope that we sparked interest and questions and go to the website. People go to the website and they fill out that form. You want to respond back. I want to make it clear that what I've been saying and hearing and, um, from you guys is that you're, you're talking about what the scriptures are saying rather than what a church creed has written down. And I think that's important that we realize that it's what the scriptures are saying on any uh, authority or uh, biblical uh, um, uh, doctrine, it's the authority of the
1: scriptures. And let's just close out with these scriptures in the Bible. Be baptized unto the remission of your sins. And why do you tarry? Arise and be baptized, wash away your sins. As many as you have were baptized into Christ and put on Christ. If you want these scriptures, you can look at the podcast later back on Facebook. Baptized into Christ Jesus, baptized into his death. Except one be born of water in the spirit, he cannot enter in. By mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration. The like figure went into baptism does also now save us. So that's why the 3,000 were baptized that day. That's why the jailer, was baptized in the middle of the night. That's why when the eunuch had Christ preached to him, he said, here's some water. What does hinder me to be baptized?
0: Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Very good, guys. I appreciate all your thoughts and comments. Enjoy the rest of your week. Look forward to seeing you, everyone, on next Tuesday.